Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 110. We've got a fun interview today with our favorite maker, husband and wife duo, Evan and Caitlin. They've been running heavy as full-time content creators for just over a year now. But before that, they were running a small goods business, selling wholesale into West Elm and doing content on the side. So it was a great conversation talking to them about the transition from full-time jobs to the side hustle to now full-time content creators. And they also go into how they found their whole new audience. They've pivoted their channel and they're seeing some massive gains. Yeah, massive gains is probably an understatement. I mean, they are killing it. Absolutely killing it. Scooping over 200,000 new subscribers in the last year. They recently passed 390,000. And, and who knows, they could even be at 400,000 subscribers as we speak. They've got over 26 million, yes, million channel views on YouTube alone. And these two are what Brad and I like to call in the pocket. Not to mention, they've been listeners to the show and we're early patron supporters of MFP, so we're super grateful for that. And we have a blast on this episode. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I definitely filled up an entire notebook taking notes from these two because they definitely know what they're doing right now. Absolutely. But before we do get into it, we just want to mention the MFP patron tribe. Uh, we didn't have any new supporters because we're actually recording this a little bit early, so we'll hit everybody the next week. Uh, but if you do want to join that, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. And we'd love to have you a part of the tribe. So without further ado, here is our interview with Evan and Caitlin. All right, guys, welcome back. And we have uh, some long overdue guests. And you actually were able to hear them on our Maker Roundtable for episode 100. We have Evan and Caitlin. Evan and Caitlin, welcome to Made for Profit. Thanks Hello. for having us on. Absolutely. We, I, I love doing the, uh, the tandem interviews and then the tandem interview with other content creators before the show, we were starting, they, you know, they like launched a few space shuttles. They have like all the gear, the setup. So uh, we we love hearing great audio recordings from you guys because you guys are podcast uh, like veterans now. Like, right. Uh, if, if folks After who don't know who you are, uh, but they already heard you like one. Tell, tell us about because you've got a ton of different things going on. You've got podcasts, YouTube channels. You've got all types of things. Uh, why don't you give us a quick a quick intro and rundown of Evan and Caitlin for all of our listeners out there? Yeah, um, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of different stuff going on. So our main channel, we make stuff together, and it's um, a little bit more on the entertainment side than the instructional side. We just kind of goof off and record it, and the project's an excuse to make a video. Um, there might be some hidden nuggets of knowledge in there. Maybe hidden nuggets of knowledge. Maybe hidden nuggets of what not to do. <laughs> um, I like falling through your ceiling. Uh, yes. Then we also started a podcast about six months ago, and we yeah. started a gaming channel about six months ago and streaming on Twitch. So uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of different things going on. There's also the second channel, which we're we don't talk about the we're second completely channel. Still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the top secret third channel, right? Oh, the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You need like a like the secret handshake to even view to it. Even get that <laughs> you do it by yourself, but like the computer sees. <laughs> yes, I, I understand. So yeah, so you guys are everywhere, and, and we'll kind of get into that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later the conversation around you know the entertainment because that's not where you guys started. You, you guys started mm -hmm. where where most uh, traditional you know DIY and woodworking videos are. So I, that's going to definitely be something we want to hit on. But um, so you guys have been. Full time now for for how long? About a year. Yeah, a little over a year. Yeah, we started the channel about two and a half years ago, and we've been full time about a little, maybe a little bit over a year, about a year. Yeah, and we kind of like when we decided to go down this path, we kept our main jobs for a while. Then we did uh, consulting and freelancing, and then we just slowly ramped down the hours as our income from Evan and Caitlin ramped up. So it was kind of a pretty smooth transition. Right. I remember I don't I could go look at, you know, the the Skype history, but maybe 2 years ago, I remember sitting on a Skype call with you guys and you were like, "Yeah, we're just, you know, we're getting started and and uh and I had had found y'all and I I think I even reached out. I was like, "Hey, cuz uh I really liked y'all's editing style, which, you know, still I I I like the new editing style as well, but uh Caitlin is like a master editor uh love <laughs> love the you. way you do the edits and so we had this conversation and so it's been really awesome to see i mean what, that was probably like two years ago right and something like that yeah uh, you were yeah. you were one of the first people to reach out to us you're the first like actual call we had with anybody yeah in, in, in the space. space yeah oh yeah, nice. we were like we're like, whoa, Brad wants to talk to us? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's talk. Let's learn all of his knowledge. <laughs> yes. I remember I remember reaching out and then like we just had this conversation and, it, and we talked about, you know, a lot of different things. But it's really cool to now see because you guys were thinking through that process. And I think that's why I was I was so uh, just interested. Just obviously I liked your content, but also because I was like, oh, my gosh, like they're right where I was at. Like you had a, like, kind of similar corporate style jobs. Um, mm -hmm. and I was like, I've been through this. Uh, and so I want to like reach out and kind of, you know, give them some of my experience and, and, you know, for whatever it's worth. So it, it's been really awesome to see you guys growing and being able to make that transition. Um, as you, you know, why don't you like hit a little bit more into that about that decision-making process, because so many folks like this is the dream, you know, being a full-time either woodworker or a content creator, um, what did that look like for you guys when you when you decided like, you, you know, you said it was a pretty smooth transition. Did you have a number in mind as far as like we want to get half of our income or or we've built up enough where we could live for six months if everything went south? Like what what did that decision making process look like for you guys? And, and what's really cool is like, obviously, there's no convincing. It's a, a dual agreement between, you know, a, a husband and wife versus like uh, I think that's a lot on the other side is like one person working. So it's a little bit unique on y'all situation. Well, I think one, one place to start is for anyone who's thinking about going down this path, I think that having a vision of why you're doing it is really important because you're going to hit the setbacks. You're going to hit like hard work and all of that. And knowing why you're, you're doing all of this really helps you push through it. And for us, we just wanted to spend more time together. And that was the, the like motivation behind all of this. Um, but I think that in terms of on the financial end of things in particular, we did have savings that we could like last a year if like our freelancing stopped, everything stopped. We had like a year's worth of income saved up that we could burn through if we absolutely needed to. So that was like a nice cushion. 
Um, and in terms of when we fully pulled the plug on the consulting, um, it's when we basically, we, we looked at our yearly expenses, we did all the budgeting, um, and we said, okay, we need to reach X amount per month in order to not have our bank account start falling. And then when we reach that number with our YouTube income, then, uh, then that's when we fully pulled the plug on our consulting jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think like we were, we were able to see the trend at that point because we'd been doing it for, I guess about a year. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can basically like, like if you, I mean, Brad would love this. You could just like every month you could total out how much you're making on like Excel and then like the month, the income, and then you can just make a trend line basically. And and some months are going to be higher, some months are going to be lower, but you can average it out and you can see where that trend is going so that you know, okay, in, in two months, I'm going to be totally fine. And if I quit now, then I can ramp up. I can reach out to more sponsors. I can do more videos. But like, honestly, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, we didn't do the line. We just kind of like eyeballed it and had enough faith in yeah. like the numbers seem pretty good and it's growing at a pretty fast Right. Well, but also I think that this is something that we've heard from so many people who are doing content creation full time. When you quit, you don't just like get all this extra time. Like your productivity doesn't go up. You don't make double the videos. Somehow you just get more busy <laughs> with the content creation and you, you make about the same amount of videos, but maybe the production value goes up or you reach out to more like, like the scope broadens or whatever it is, but or you don't you just like sleep. Sometimes. Yeah, or you sleep. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. or you yeah. get your life back in balance, you know. But it's not like your productivity skyrockets or anything like that. Yeah, all of a sudden, comes out of nowhere. I think that's, I think that's quite interesting because I was like, I was full time working for myself, not doing content. But Brad went from corporate to full time content, and he was, mm-hmm. and we would just always be talking. He's like, "Oh, it's going to be so much better when I can go full time, and like when I'm full time, and when I'm full time, and he went full time, and he goes." Like three days in it, so it was like, well, I have no time. I don't know what happened. But. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just do. those years of building up to-do list items that you're like, I'm going to do these when I'm full time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, you just get to wear, you know, shorts for most of the day instead of pants to work. Like, it's, it's the same thing. But uh, I think I think it's always something that's quite interesting is that like kind of slap in the face of reality when it when it sets in that like this isn't this isn't all just fun and games as much as it might look like that on the surface. There's a lot that goes on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys put a lot of emphasis in in production value and actually mm-hmm. consistently increasing quality in your production of whatever it is, your podcast, your content, uh, your, your your photography, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that on the back end, I feel like a lot of time and effort goes into if you're not mm-hmm. going to outsource. Um, how does that look for you guys now that and and I think uh, maybe touch a little bit on your background coming into this because I think that uh, that would be helpful to the audience to understand a little bit as well. Yeah, so so before this, um, I was in graphic design working at like the like in corporate branding essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Evan was an engineer. Yeah, doing um, like design engineering, uh, designing new uh, pieces of equipment like pumps and like uh, things that I can't talk about because of NDAs, <laughs> but, um, and like doing all the testing and engineering. So I, I had a lot of experience with like um, CNC's and fabrication and design and, and CAD printing. and 3D printing and all that jazz. And I had experience with like, I was like confident I could make thumbnails. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really sure. Yeah. I was like, I can make us a logo and I can make us some thumbnails. But I mean, all your, of those Adobe products have killer. a- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So all of those Adobe like products have a marriage. similar- 
Yeah, but that's yeah. like the perfect marriage uh, of uh, like yeah. literal marriage of, you know, the skill sets <laughs> like, okay, a DIY, a DIY YouTube channel, like media <laughs> and making together. Yes, that that's a great, a great I think combo. another thing that we, we know we realized like, I don't know, a couple months ago, looking backwards at our life and at like the the place we've created for ourselves, both of us have always liked creating things and sharing them with others. Like, like Caitlin had like art accounts that where she shared stuff. I had art accounts. Uh, we both made blogs independently before we this even was like got together. like in high together. school, like before yeah. social media, we Long were both, time like, ago. both like blogging and posting art online and like, like making little communities and stuff. Yeah, but we, we both had a passion for that. And I don't think it really hit us as like a viable job because like, Back then, it wasn't a viable job. It wasn't something that you could do full time. And so that, that thought never crossed our mind. But looking backwards, we realized that we did have a passion for that. And that brought us a lot of joy, um, not just the creating of things, but the creating and sharing. And sharing. So yeah. it's like, right. it's actually kind of perfect, too, that both of us like that. Right. Yeah. I, I do want to hit in a, a bit because uh, for those that follow you and know you, that they'll know this, but we have a ton of listeners um, who, you know, probably the vast majority of our listeners are product people. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you guys, and I know we could do a whole show on this and you've done multiple <laughs> episodes and different things and YouTube videos on product, but, but, but hit on that a little bit. I'd like to just ha- have you guys share your experience with, because you didn't start out going straight for content. You mm-hmm. were playing the whole wholesaling Etsy, you know, mm-hmm. sell my, my goods to try to make some money. Why, why don't you kind of you know, give us the the brush off the surface of just some of the learnings and and how that went for you and what that looked like. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, when when I was at my job, things weren't the best. Work life balance wasn't great at my engineering job, and I just didn't have enough time to figure out what I wanted to do. So I quit without much of a plan, honestly. Um, and then I I fell into consulting. But my first thought on like a job that we could work on together was selling products. Yeah, just because we already knew we liked to make things together because we had like DIY'd some stuff for our house and for our wedding. And we're like, okay, this maybe this could be a thing that we do together to spend more time together and like make it into a job. And I thought of like, what's my competitive advantage going into this? Okay, I know 3D printing, I know CNC. I like don't I didn't at that time and I still have a hesitation about it if we if we went that route again, but I wanted it to just be the two of us. So that we had that ultimate flexibility, um, we wanted to be able to like not have any guilt of employees if we like went on vacation or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so from the beginning, I started designing products where we could, um, instead of hiring employees, we could just buy more machines to do all of the work for us. So I was like, well, 3D printing is really scalable. If I am selling designs at one rate and it pays for the 3D printer and the uh, orders pick up. I can just get another printer or another printer. I'll just have six mm-hmm. printers running all the time. No big deal. Um, just making Skynet printing will take money. over. Yes. Yeah. 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 We mean, do have our guest room is the robot room. That's where they all live now. <laughs> so from the beginning, um, that's the route that I thought that we might go. Um, but then we started documenting it on Instagram and we had a lot of fun with that. And we started leaning into content creation more and more. We would like make little mini videos about our first experience doing a pop-up shop at West Elm yeah. or like, uh, you know, making a bunch of 3D printed topographical Texases and all these like little mini videos just for Instagram. And that's where our passion took over. You know, it's like, I love making things for the first time. I love designing things, coming up with systems, but like keeping that up going indefinitely forever 
that that would would be an option and we're not like necessarily opposed to it but creating content was the thing that like really sparked our passion so we just kind of through a hundred percent of our effort behind that. Yeah. Well, and a pretty, for a pretty long time, we tried to do both. We tried to do the videos and still do the products for probably like six months or so. We were still, we um, became a part of the West Elm wholesale program, like their local maker program. So every month we would get like orders for all the stores in Texas. Yeah. And so we're hundreds of products, <laughs> Yeah, hundreds of products. And so we were like trying to make videos, but also staying up late, trying to finish all of our, you know, CNC'd, uh, like Texas wall arts. Yeah, or- and, and sometimes we'll try to mix them, which I did think works pretty well if you if you were okay with making less content every now and then. Like around Or if Christmas you're doing time. more custom work. Oh, but custom we were work, doing yeah. the same product. Same exact designs. Like we're gonna do another video on uh topographical Texas. This time yes. in <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Changing First we make materials. eighty coasters, then we make a hundred coasters, and then we make hundred twenty coasters. So <laughs> exciting. <right>. Oh. <laughs> This yeah. video is on store one, two, three's order. All right. Yeah. Next week, yeah. store two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. So eventually it just got to a point where we had to make a decision. And for us, the thing we enjoyed more was the videos. So we stopped doing the products. Um, but like an, another way to go is you could hire an employee, find a person that can manage the st- like selling side of things. You come up with the designs, you prototype it as part of your channel, and then you find the partner who does all the manufacturing and shipping and mm-hmm. takes the orders and all of that jazz. So th- there's there's a lot of different ways you can do it. It's just like this is the the route that was right for us in particular. Because it's based on what we enjoyed the most. Yeah, but I'm sure there's people out there that don't want to be on camera, that don't want to be sharing, that just want to like like refine their craft and, you know, work on things and make things and sell things. And that's totally a path that's viable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a a lot of, uh, a lot of value to be learned right in the experience of going from trying to sell goods to trying to show people how to make things or inspire people to make things and stuff. And it's a, it's actually something that like, you know, my, my content's always struggled with because, Um, the way my brain works is like, just get it done. Right. And when you're looking Mm -hmm. at making something for production sake or for resale sake, you're like, the processes exist. They're simple. They're basic. I want this done as fast as possible. Oh, now I'm going to make a video about it. It might be cool, but like, am I going to sacrifice the time that goes into Mm -hmm. how fast I can produce this just to get a video done on it? Um, and you know, back in the, I would say about a year or so, a little over a year ago, Brad and I had the conversation where I was like, I really don't enjoy making custom work anymore. Like I make a lot of money Mm -hmm. doing it, but I don't like doing it. And, uh, and I made the leap to like, just go and try and do the content thing full time. And now I'm sitting here like, Maybe I do like making things <laughs> with people because it's because it's they're two different games, right? And once you get your head wrapped totally. around one to get into the other, you're like, I got to learn this whole other thing. Um, and I came into it blind, completely on both. Like, know nothing about video design. Bit like I, I guess you could say business. I went to school for it, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I knew how to make some stuff, but uh, you know, how much do you feel like the transition from you know, trying to sell goods um, with your emphasis on being working together to the video production and your emphasis on working together. Like how much value do you see in that? At least it was a team effort to get there and not uh, you just trying to find because you were able to complement each other. Right. Like I I notice a lot in your content and in conversations with you guys that you're 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 you complement each other fantastically, not only as a couple, but in in like what you're doing as Evan and Caitlin. 
Um, do you think that gave you sort of a competitive advantage when it came into content production more than it did as the value add to your to your business strategy with selling? Yeah, I think it was it was more of a strength. Not that it wasn't a strength with um, selling products. You know, with selling products, we obviously had two sets of hands instead of one set of hands, and yeah. so we could make things twice as fast. But I feel like. Um, well, but also, I mean, like, you know, Caitlin did all of the signs and the packaging and the, the, the stamps. And, you know, you brought a lot of the design aesthetic to the, the business. And I brought some engineering, like, know-how and stuff. So it's like we complement each other in that. But, when, but once all of that was figured out, just getting the work done, yeah, we're just... There wasn't as much of a, like, uh, like us being a couple didn't really give us too much of a competitive advantage with yeah. the just producing hundreds of products for West Elm, but yeah. I feel like it, it was a more rare thing in, um, like the YouTube maker space. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and I don't know if that's something that necessarily played into our thoughts at the, at the time. Um, but it definitely, I think gives us more advantages being on YouTube than it did just, uh, doing like production products. And I think that another aspect of that, I mean, like we have really good communication and everything, and that ties into like managing our day to day a lot. I mean, we, we put systems in place, like we use Airtable, we use Todoist to manage everything. Um, but also Caitlin has a certain area of responsibility. I have a certain area of responsibility. And as you guys know, with everything that we need to do every day with social media and launching and working with sponsors and all of the multitude of tasks that we do, there's a lot of different sub like different hats you need to wear. And I wear a certain set of hats normally and Caitlin wears a certain set of hats and having half the hats on your head is a huge like benefit. I, I, I love general. this picture. I'm, I'm I love imagining having <laughs> <laughs> half the hats on your head. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> having, and, and I know that, uh, cause we had had this conversation too, that, uh, earlier about transitioning and, you know, how do you, uh, how do you best utilize each person's, you know, most effective, so it's like you're, you're most effective, like what are you most effective at? And that's what you should be doing. And so mm-hmm. for a lot of, um, you know, builders, we talk about like, you know, who, if, if your name's on the door and you're the one that's the creative, um, you're making the designs and then mm-hmm. things like sanding or, you know, finishing, those are things that a lot of different people can do, but only you can make that specific design. Like somebody like a, a Jory Brigham, you know, like Jory Brigham designs is about his design and about his creativity in the making process. Like you can't sub that out and get somebody else to do it, even though it would help you get along. So uh, I think one of the things we talked about specifically uh, in the past was like the video editing. Right. And so mm-hmm. Evan, I know like you were try some and be like, uh, <laughs> like I can do it, but like, I'm no, I'm no Caitlin. Like, you know, <laughs> Caitlin's got like the eye and, and uh, I'm sure more skill and speed as just honing that in, but even trying to outsource that, which is something that we all uh, as content creators are always trying to figure out how to get things done more effectively, mm-hmm. you know, outsourcing and giving away a piece that, you know, you, that really, encompasses your brand is is super hard to do and i think you know once you talk a little bit about that as as you guys are trying to be more efficient and grow uh because i know we we briefly walked over that but what did that look like as you tried to think about okay so we're each wearing these hats but there's too many hats and and how do we you know get more content and how can we outsource and what did that look like and what did you give away and what did you pull back in so i think that like we we 
figured all of that out just through experimentation. I mean, both of us at some point have done everything. Yeah, but I think we're still we're still in the process of figuring out like what we can outsource. We did yeah. try outsourcing editing of, for our main channel briefly. So I think there's about four videos or so on our channel um, that someone else edited, and he did a great job. I think I just had a really hard time like giving up those reins, and it, also we've kind of like we've touched on before, our channel has gone through a pretty big shift from being more instructional DIY content to being more like entertaining content that's doing DIY type stuff. And so because of that shift, the editing style has changed pretty drastically over the past two years. Um, and it's really hard when you're still figuring it out in your head and you don't really have like a formula or a system, it's very hard to communicate that to someone else because it's a moving target for us. And so trying to tell somebody else how to hit that moving target is really hard. Um, on the other hand, we have outsourced, um, editing for the gaming channel. Um, one, because we knew we just didn't have time to edit it. And if we weren't editing it, it would never happen. Um, so we've outsourced the editing for that, but it's totally different and a lot easier because there's kind of it's, it's the same format. format. Yeah. 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 It's the same and, and format. We even wrote that up. We we're like, okay, ways to inject humor, um, add text, add zooms, do yeah. stuff like this. Use um, memes. <laughs> like, and, uh, like look for repeated patterns. And if you detect a repeated pattern, either edit them together to form a little scene or put them at the end as bonus content. So we like wrote up like a two page document on like how to do that. Like, but even like down to like what font to use, like, we, and we made an intro and outro for them that they can put at the intro and outro so that there's mm -hmm. a consistent feel. And so now we, our editors have kind of like, they started with that and they've kind of like developed a feel for what we like without having to like stick to anything too, too strict. Um, but I think having, we, because we were able to give them a starting point because the, the videos were so consistent, that helped a lot. Whereas the main channel videos are kind of different every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, like another thing with our main edits, we want them to be like so good and timeless. I and mean, we want all of our edits to be timeless, but um, it's hard to describe someone like cut that at the right time. That time was the wrong time. It might be a little bit earlier or later. It's like, it's, it's so hard because we don't yeah. just time things with the music. We like time. We like have to select the right music for what's playing. And I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to like tell someone, more do, moving do parts better i don't know yeah, you know it's it like, better <laughs> well it's also like do as more. you've do gotten less, into better. a personality channel i think like the edit i mean i mean like you think we think about you know what's familiar to us is like all these competition shows like they the way it's edited can make somebody look like a complete jerk or like you know a total all-star with mm -hmm. with the exact same set of footage right the editor mm -hmm. can do that so uh, i can completely imagine being personalities that you know, you're editing to make certain things, you know, whether like, oh, let's make this like a funny self-deprecating moment or let's like, yep. you know, do this. And that like that editing style, when you have so much on on face, you know, FaceTime on the camera versus like doing a how to video. Yeah, like big deal. Like you spend an extra two seconds showing me on the table saw versus showing me assembling like there's there's no, you know, that that's more just like so transactional. And so how to mm -hmm. like getting behind uh, are getting on the screen more that I feel like that's even harder uh, that you want to have the ownership on that. Because like for my yeah. channel, I think it would be pretty easy for me to outsource, even though I've tried it twice and failed, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to get somebody to do it. 
Uh, so I can only imagine, like, if I was on there, be like, oh, 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 don't like, why did you zoom in right there? Like, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my double chin. Stay away from that part. Like, <laughs> whereas I'd be like, oh, did you see that double chin? Make sure you zoom in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I think another thing, like, not to downplay how easy it was to find the gaming editors. We um we use a site called uh, Freelancer where you kind of like post a bid and people like you know like ask to to be assigned and they they pitch their past work and everything we uh have commissioned and paid 13 edits and 13 editors and we found two and we found two so i mean that means that that we had to go through a lot of failures i mean to find the two that were right for us um and and like for for our gaming edits they are a little bit easier they are a little maybe cheaper so just like kind of brute forcing our way to find the right person worked for us. But um, I think that that it might be harder for like, uh, I don't know, like a, a huge file and all of these like little revisions you might need to go through and all of that. And also like you guys might not have the spare content to sit in editor's hands, like one editor after another after another for like a month. And then like this piece of content that you're excited about comes out like, I don't know, Two or three months later. In the meantime, you're having to make other content because yeah, like right. the one you filmed isn't ready because the editors. So yeah, that was yeah, absolutely one of the struggles yeah. that I found with outsourcing was that because I'm I am very, you know, hand to mouth. Um, like I'm not working on the, the project I'm working on today is going to come out in three days. Like it's not going to come <laughs> out in two weeks or a month. And kudos to the people who can do that. But that's just not me, but yeah, that's, I've always struggled with that, uh, as well. Cause the, both of the guy, I'm like, all right, like when he's like, well, you know, I, I have something coming up to, cause they're not full time. And so he's yeah. like, well, I I've, I'm, I'm going to be traveling on Tuesday. So I can't get this till Wednesday. I'm like, what? Then we're not working together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. that is an interesting thing that you have to, uh, th- there's just a lot involved into outsourcing and it, it mm-hmm. is, um, a lot harder. It's been a lot harder for me and, and it's, it's good to hear, like, um, I've heard a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, I just I, I got this guy and he lived down the street and he's editing you know, for me for 200 <laughs> bucks a video. And I'm like, what? Like, wait, and yeah, it was perfect from day one. And I'm like, yeah, how, how, how do you find that guy? It makes me cry. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I almost feel like it is easier when you when you hire the editor early, though, because just like with the gaming channel, yeah. there was no expectation of like a schedule yet. It didn't really matter if. If, if things were late or if it wasn't perfect and we didn't have sponsors that we were dealing with. And I think it, you know, it's, it's harder to make that investment up front because you're not making any money on it yet. You're paying an editor. Um, but I do think that has made it a lot easier. Whereas when you have a schedule and you have sponsors, when there's expectations of the quality of your videos already set in place, it's a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easier, especially like, I think you touched on a great point there where you were like, I just can't let it, go it's like mm-hmm. it's like it becomes like your baby right and uh mm-hmm. and there are i think the best way to do it is is kind of touching on the point you made about systems right if like if you can create a system like that's uh i think that's the definition of entrepreneurship or or, or business ownership something like that is that uh it's your responsibility to create systems in which you can plug other people in those roles and it's the same thing with editing like yes if if your uh if your differentiation point is the value you add to your video by editing it then obviously you don't want to outsource that but yeah. like for me for instance i bring zero value on the actual physical ability to edit 
but potentially in the oversight of seeing like, oh, I want that transition to look like this and I want this lettering to come in from this quarter, whatever it might be. That's a completely different role, right, than actually being able to sit there and quickly make it happen. Mm -hmm. But it takes the it takes the time and effort to put a system into place that I can go and look and say, this might take you two hours to fix, but I have to put an hour into saying do X, Y and Z. And so mm-hmm. that system needs to exist to put me in a situation to be my best for that role. And I think that that's what happens to most of us, right? Like, I mean, Brad, I'm sure in your experience, you could go back and say, well, if I had a better system for reviewing the edit and then getting it turned around quicker, then potentially I, some of those editors might have worked, right? Like if you, oh yeah, for instance, if you didn't have to drop them all of the footage, if they were local and you could put it on a hard drive, you know, like. Little things like that help. And I think um, I think it, it goes back to what you were saying before, Evan, is like in your whole business is creating systems that work for whatever role each person is playing. Um, and then and then being able to look in the mirror and go, do I actually add value in playing a part in this role? Like, is this something important to our business that I specifically do this task? And if not, that's when you start offloading things so you can focus on what makes you valuable to the business. And I think you guys have done an excellent job at that, right? I mean, like if I look at your content when you guys got started on YouTube till now, it, it I mean, Brad and I talk about it uh, in, in confidence to each other. It's like you guys are in the pocket, like you are hammering the roles that you were supposed to be playing. It's not like you're trying to say, hey, like come sell things at West Elm like we do because we love it because it's obviously like, yeah, that was fun and enjoyable experience. I'm sure it was great. But like you falling through the ceiling, you know, on your last pro- like it was much more natural. It just felt like you guys were just in like the zone. Um, and it's much better. And but getting to that point isn't overnight. Right. Like tell us a little bit about how you guys got from like where the content was before to where it is now, because because that journey has been fascinating to watch. Well, I think that in the beginning, when you're starting a channel, um, you have to be strategic about like how like because like you want people to be able to share your content. And if you're just starting out and you're relying on your personality, but you don't have like the community buy-in that like people should care about you, that's kind of a hard way to start. But if in the beginning you just offer value right away, I think that's a better way to, to start because you can say, Hey, here's this thing of value. Feel free to share it in a way. And then people might want to share that naturally. Whereas if you're just like going straight after, like you start up, right away like wanting people to care about you i think that's a harder ask in a way yeah and i think from the beginning we knew that we wanted our personalities to be part of the videos because in our in our heads at the time we knew okay we're gonna want to jump around project types because you know we're we're not just like woodworkers and we're not just 3d printers and we're not just whatever Um, so we thought if we include our personalities in the video, then hopefully that will allow us more flexibility to jump around in project because the personality will be a consistent item, even if the project's not a consistent item. Mm. So we kind of had that vision in our heads, but like Evan was saying, we didn't want to go in and just like overwhelm it with personality when nobody really knew or (laughs) like cared who we were. But also we weren't great at. We weren't great person. at being oh on camera. Oh my gosh, the first oh the first video was so painful to film and edit and oh, watch. Oh, it took like two hours <laughs> just to record the intro. Like it was bad. Yeah, because like putting your personality in there is a skill. It's something that you develop over time. Both of us are kind of mainly introverts. Yeah, honestly, I mean we are very silly, but we we re- recharge when it's just the two of us or just 
alone time and stuff. So we're yeah. not like, we don't like gain energy by being in a crowd or anything. So it's, well, not that we were filming in a crowd, but it's yeah, still but, like <laughs> hard to get that out of your head when you know yeah. you're going to put it on the internet. Yeah. Um. So it took us a while to get kind of comfortable on camera. And I think as we kind of got into a groove with our first style of, of more, slightly more instructional filming with like little bits of personality. Um, we just kind of wanted to start having more fun and experiment with projects that weren't always practical. So the first time we did it, total failure, it was the propane cannon and it oh, flopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. flopped like crazy, but we had so much fun making that video. We were just like, it felt right. It felt right. Yeah. Even though it didn't perform very well, it was, the like biggest blast to to film it. And that experience I think kind of showed us like, okay, this is a direction we want to go in. And even if it means our, like the channel growth takes a slight step back, this is really fun. So how do we gradually get to this point instead of doing it in a big jump like we did right now. Yeah, because like when you're making a video like a propane cannon or robot fights or, you know, like just entertaining videos, where do you share that to? Where Where's that community? It's, there, there, it doesn't fully exist because self-promotion in that space is like frowned upon. But like if you're doing instructional videos, there's tons of places where you can share it, like Instructables or even some subreddits or Imageral or whatever. Um, but when you're just at that point, you kind of need to have a community built up around you to help you launch those videos. Yeah. But then, so, um, so going back to like, once we discovered what we wanted to do, we did consciously, um, start peppering in more videos that were a little bit goofier and we would, you know, there's always so many like side tangents where we're just goofing off and the camera happened to record it that we would cut from earlier videos because it's like, well, this is only a five minute video and there's a whole minute of us like talking about cats. So we got to <laughs> cut that out, you know, but we started to leave in more of those side tangents, like little by little to see what the audience thought of it. Mm -hmm. And in there was a period where it um, like the channel started slowing down a little bit. And this oh, was yeah. around last December. Um, we were, ex we like tried doing a couple like slightly more vloggy videos that didn't do well. And we did a couple just like, I don't know, videos that were more on the goofy side and, um, and even like mixed in some more practical videos and the practical video videos like did a little bit better. And we're like, man, does this mean we can't make this transition? Like have, have we gotten to the point where we've pushed it too far? Cause we were like pushing, pushing, pushing. We pushed a little far and then the channel started to not do well. But we were having so much fun that we just kept going at it. And then a couple, a few months ago in, in March, it it finally uh, started shifting. And I think what honestly happened is we had subs leave that weren't into that content. And then the ratio of subscribers watching our videos became a better. And our channel never went down in subs. It just like wasn't gaining as many. But I think we were gaining the right people and losing the people that weren't into it. And then I think at some point there's a balance shift where more people wanted to see the goofy content than didn't want it. Well, I also think that, that, um, YouTube and they haven't said this in as many words, but like, this is what I'm like, like don't take this as gospel in any way, but this is what I've gathered and concluded from all the pieces of information that YouTube has put out. YouTube does not trust content creators to properly title 
thumbnail and label their content because of clickbait, because of, you know, whatever. So they, they don't fully trust us, but they do trust the viewers because the viewers watch all of this content. And basically when they watch the content, they're grading it. Do they watch the whole thing? Do they exit right after the beginning? Do they read the comments? Do they leave a comment? Do they engage and leave a like or whatever? So basically everyone who views your video is, is grading it. And I think that for the longest time, the group of people who were, was grading our videos like in a positive light were like just the DIYers and the makers and all of that. So YouTube thought, okay, we're just, we're just DIY and creators and all of that. And it kept on showing our videos to this pool of people. But when we started getting in like this huge pool of people who like just entertaining content, YouTube starts saying, oh, this might be entertaining content too. And then it starts showing our videos to this bigger pool of people mm -hmm. because it like, it, it doesn't know that our content is entertaining or like, or, or, or lifestyle or whatever new category we're a part of, you know? So it just kept on showing our content to the same pool. But when we were able to kind of break out of that pool into this other pool, then we started seeing a lot of growth. And it's interesting because our, our like audience data does reflect a change. I mean, we used to be, um, what, like 80% guys yep. and we were mostly in the 25 to 34 or t whatever that age range yep, yep. is. Um, that was our, our biggest age range by far. And now we are about 50, 50, sometimes going to 60, 40, um, with females being the 60 and our biggest age range is 18 to 24. So there's been a big shift, Huge shift yeah. and there's more and more, you know, if we look at our comments now, it used to be like maybe half of them were about the project and half of them were about like us. Yeah. And now it's like 90% of them are about us. And a lot of times when it comes to the project, it, there's so many people saying like, I don't make stuff, so I don't know why I'm watching this, but I like it, you know? Yeah. And so we can tell that it's more, that we've like kind of gone out of the maker bubble a little bit. I, I don't know how much, but we have right. like gotten out a well, little that, bit. Yeah, that's a lot. If that's the age range, if, yeah, if those <laughs> that's are going definitely in. definitely a lot. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. out there. But, but And that is <laughs> it's such, it, uh, like it's so... Like John awesome. said, it's so interesting to see it. It's awesome because like we're experiencing the same thing in like microcosms of that, of, of like, because it's, that's exactly what you say, Evan, that YouTube is like, yo, this is who you are and this is who I'm going to show you to. And like, I won't show you to anybody else. I had this interesting um, thing happen to me in the, I did the video on a, the playset restoration mm -hmm. and it was that same exact thing. Like, like the, the audience was, you know, like my audience is 25, like 25 to 34 and 35 to 44 are about the same for me. And same thing, 80, 20 guys. And it, it did okay. And it was kind of sitting there, but then like after like three months, I don't know what happened. Cause I guess like YouTube will also, uh, just test things. So they'll show this video to a certain audience. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was like overnight, the video completely exploded and and now it's still my largest video uh, by far. It's like you know, six and a half million views or something. And and what happened was I went back and looked at the audience. Now the audience is like 60, 40 guys to girls and it's 18 to 24. And it's really mm -hmm. interesting that um, and, and John and I've talked about this a lot. Like, why, why did that happen? But I started looking at the comments and what we found was that like that was like the most popular play set in like 2009. So now, <laughs> like when those kids were like 10 and now they're 20, 
they're like, oh my gosh, that's my place. So it's like this nostalgic thing, but it's this like really weird. Like I didn't, you know, like it, it's very interesting to hear. Like you guys are actively going towards content to entertain and hit that audience versus like I kind of just stumbled into it yeah. and uh, by pure happenstance. And uh, and so it's it's performing well. But I even just had the video John and I were just talking about it before we started recording. I did my first all metalworking project. And uh, it's not doing well, of course, because because people want people are like you, you would work, do not do anything except for woodwork. <laughs> and I looked and I have negative subs from that video. So, you know, the channel's still growing. But like I looked at that video and it was like negative, you know, because it'll say like how many subscribers did this one gain? And it was negative 15. And I was like, well, that's just wonderful because it is like <laughs> that, that's a really thing that you got a really interesting thing. And I love how you guys have looked at it and, and you're like, OK, how can we actively shift this? And, and John's going through it, too. There's a lot of people going through it mm-hmm. that if you're not careful, you can get put in a box yep. by YouTube um, and by, you know, quote unquote, the algorithm. And you've just built an audience. And so as soon as you try to change and do something different, there's going to be that learning curve. So I love that you guys thought through that. And you're like, okay, we know this is going to happen. And you did it step by step instead of wholesale. Because if you go wholesale, like you're, you know, that's, that's going to be a hard transition. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I really love hearing that. And then like, you know, times slowed down and you probably mm-hmm. did have those videos. You're like, oh my gosh, like, we, like maybe we lost stubs in the very beginning, but then you find your new audience. Um, so I think finding a new audience has been really, a uh, really awesome to see you guys do that and, and convert your channel you know, like you said, like you've totally shifted your audience. It's amazing to hear you look at the statistics and see it too. Well, I think there's there's also a danger of going viral for certain types of content because oh yes, I, I think that you know this is fairly like not crazy news or anything, but YouTube, um, like when you launch a video, what percent of notifications sent out are clicked? You know that you're being graded right away based on like like. Oh, what does your audience think of your content? And if your audience doesn't even like it, why should I show it to more people? So I think that if you you go viral for a video that is outside of your wheelhouse a little bit like that, then then in the future you'll have these like dead subs hanging on that are seeing your videos and deciding not to click over and over and over again. That hurts your CTR. That hurts just everything. That's so um, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Click through it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, on the ETA of uh, yeah, my T- <laughs> TPS report. So, so <laughs> I, I think that's why, like, we try to like focus on like injecting that personality into our videos. Because if someone joins us for a metalworking or a woodworking or a 3D printing, we want them to stick around because they want to just hang out with us again. Um, and, yeah, and not that, because of the project. And, and that's that also a reason that we we don't get too instructional because if we're really instructional on a welding video, people might think like, oh, I want to sub for these welding videos. But if the welding's kind of the on the back burner compared to like our personalities, then it's obvious that like, it's obvious what the focus of the video yeah. is. And we have like really thought through how to like mix these fairly well. Like, and during the transition period, it, it was more painful to like stop, pause before so many shots and say, okay, are we doing this in the new style or the old style mm-hmm. or a mix of the two? Because I think during that down period in December, when we were just trying to go more towards entertainment, we were doing like more purely entertainment, but merging the two works pretty well too. So it's like everyone or a lot of people in this industry, like 
know the trick. If you're going to glue something down, what you do is you alternate between a, a super glue that will hold it and clamp it in place and then a long lasting glue, which adds the strength. So we are about to say, okay, so we're going to glue this down and we're going to alternate between super glue and wood glue or something, but that's kind of boring. So instead we did like a skit and we like did a little like funny moment about it. It, it said the same thing. We it basically conveyed, got like dramatic lighting and did like a tale of two glues and like made it like a little mini play within the video, which yeah. is like totally silly and goofy. It, was, it still like got the message across so that people could, we could like sneak in some learning. Yeah. So sneak in some learning, but it was done with like the primary intent to entertain, even though it had the same information in there. So like going through that mental shift, was a bit of a process, but it's becoming more second nature now. Yeah, because I think like we've always <laughs> been going towards kind of like you were saying earlier, like we're we're like filling the roles that we were meant to fill, you know, and going towards what we really want to do. So the um, the struggle is just like changing old habits, but yeah. like it's not too much of a struggle because we're going towards what we want to be doing. Yeah, you know. What was the question? <laughs> well, I think you guys are hitting it, but I, I think, uh, what, what has, so from a business perspective, obviously views are great and, and, uh, YouTube could care less what your content is as far as like, they just want a billion views and that's how you get average revenue. So that's easy. Obviously the more successful your views are, the more you have there from a sponsor perspective, how has mm -hmm. that looked? Has, has, so if you have like hardcore woodworking sponsors, uh, you know, have you had any pushback or any change and are you going more towards like the, uh, you know, just straight up mid roll where it's, you know, Skillshare care of trade coffee, like how, how has that looked? And are you now changing the complexion of your sponsors to match the complexion of, of your videos? Yes, we definitely, um, there's some sponsors that we used to like, for example, we worked with Brockler a lot before and we haven't done anything with them this year and it's it's just not as good of a a fit for us or for them and we, so we have and that's just one example there's been like a few um like more hardcore makery type brands that that maybe don't make sense um so what we've done now is a mixture of like you said the square spaces the trade coffees the kind of things where it's just like a mid-roll um which is great because they don't care about the project at all it actually frees us up a, a decent amount. Yeah, it frees us up a lot. So it's, you know, we have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, it's you feel kind of like a little bit more bad putting it in the video because it doesn't have anything to do with the project. But on the other hand, it's super freeing. Um, yeah. And but in like, terms of the the brands that we are still, that are still like products or tools or materials, we tend to work with brands that can be applied to a lot of different project types. So like we work with Lowe's and... I don't know. Can you put that in there since you're Team Home Depot? <laughs> Beep out their we'll, name. we'll let it slide. <laughs> and so, but that can, you know, we can work with them but on a lot of different projects. We are going Yeah, beep. I think um, you meant Woodcraft, but well, anyway. Technically, yeah, they I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you beep out all the brands. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, so we work with brands or like we have some PPE companies, I'll, I'll keep it vague that we yeah. work with that we can use for all sorts of different projects. And it's good if you're like a weekend warrior or like a more hardcore woodworker. But I think one, one area that like 
DIY and making is blessed when it comes to sponsors is we can do a lot of product placements. You can layer in like two or three product placements and a main sponsor and it all mm -hmm. is relevant. And I think that in making videos, you can do that. Um, which is really great because it allows for monetization earlier on, but at the same time, then you're very restricted in what you can do and you might need approvals and all of that stuff. Uh, but I think that, uh, oh, I forgot where I was going. Okay. You're you, talking you about product placements. Product placements harder when you're doing personality, I think is where you were going. You're doing more entertainment. Yeah, I lost it. I lost <laughs> it. Hold on. Is it, does this uh, refresh your memory? I holding a can of Mountain Dew up for, uh, for the non-video audience. Yes, is everyone. So does it refresh your, do you feel like climbing a mountain? Oh. Yeah. It, so I, I'm, I've just, I'm interested in that and hearing that because mm -hmm. I can see that, right? I, I can see yeah. totally that uh, as you change your content type, that different types of sponsors are going to work. And in just as in the sense that pure woodworking videos, like some people don't want to see me talking about, you know, filter by or talking about, you know, whoever that that's like a, that, that a Skillshare or something like that. They're like, what does this have to do with the, with, with, with woodworking? Uh, but I, I think the, the beauty of it is, and I, I would imagine for your more personality driven entertainment type content, that it would also be more freeing because your audience is so much tied into you that they get they get that this is how you make money and they're like yeah whatever like i don't care like they're they're talking about coffee they're talking about home security they're talking about whatever like and and the fact that now you can also um you know do it in a funny way like i think i think chris salamoni uh does a great job of ad mm -hmm. reads and making them entertaining like you want you don't want to skip the ad read you're like what's he gonna do now like uh and and does some really funny stuff and that as you can incorporate humor in entertainment into an ad read, it becomes just another part of, you know, the, the value that you're given to the audience. Yeah. yeah. I just remembered the thought that I had. So as like we, <clears throat> as we widen up our audience and we're reaching people who haven't done woodworking, who haven't done metalworking, I think that like the, the main thing that we kind of want to do is expose people to these products. And then once they see the products, then they can like go down the rabbit hole of CNCing or wood carving or whatever it is. And then we can provide that like top of the sales funnel. And then the, the channels that are more specialized in metalworking or woodworking or power carving or whatever, they can like provide the more detailed in-depth reviews, analysis, or tips and tricks for those pieces of equipment. So I think that that that's like part of our long-term strategy too. We still want to keep our foot in that world, working with those brands and showing them off. But I think that we kind of need to reach that like, nice broad audience who doesn't know that you can strap a like aggressive cutting wheel to an angle grinder and carve wood with it you know like so many people don't know that and and exposing to them uh, exposing people to that idea is a valuable thing that we can do yeah i think that that's like a, an important point there for because there's like myself for instance you know i'm trying to do a little bit more entertainment because i felt the same way you guys uh potentially did early on in, in your production mm -hmm. is that like you can feel strangled within the confines of the vertical you're trying to perform in on the the platform which we chose, which is YouTube, right? And like the maker community is inherently educational. And for me as a person, I am not good at communicating or I at least don't want to be good at communicating uh, details via video. I'm, I'd rather do that in person. But But with that comes the other side of like, well, where do you go then? Because that's what the people are asking for. So as trying to be more uh, entertaining in my content, 
you start to concern yourself with, all right, well, I make money from sponsors who are looking for that community. And I have to go to these sponsors and say to the same, exactly what you were just touching on. Like, well, listen, I'm top of the funnel guy. Like I am not your, I'm not sitting here hard selling people on end, you know, transactions with discount codes for specific micro tools for X, Y, and Z. I'm the guy that they're like, Oh, I think John did that once. Ah, he used this brand. And like, that's the kind of presence you're trying to Mm -hmm. create. And I think for anyone that's trying to work with brands or sponsors or anything, um, consider the value you add, not only to the community, but to the brand in the type of presence you bring to the table. And that just because you're not like, I'm not sitting here teaching you how to hand cut dovetails, but I could potentially be using a saw or a chisel that you might want to buy down the line just because you saw me doing it. I don't have to sit here and be telling you that you need to, you know, do your, your, I don't know, use a Western saw or a Japanese pool saw or whatever it might be, that kind of detail in my content. So there is strategy to doing both sides of things. Um, and I do apologize if you guys hear any noise in the background because I uh, there's 12 people in my shop right now. But <laughs> with that being said, I think there's some brilliance in recognizing that you can still bring value to brands. You can still bring value to your community. Um, and you don't necessarily have to sell yourself out in order to perform within uh, a specific vertical you might want to be in. But that being said, you can succeed doing it on both sides of the spectrum. Um, yeah. and, and it's just a matter of of preference. Right. And I think that that's what the magical part of what you guys are doing is, is that like, I, I literally, I commented and I said to you guys when we were, uh, whatever show we were at together last, uh, and I said to Brad, I was like, they painted a door and they killed it. Like, <laughs> but, but it's, and it's because your content wasn't the, the strategy was not geared at all in the concept of the door itself as a project. You weren't like, well, you want to tape this off like this and you yeah. know, you want to sand between gray. It was <laughs> the entertainment brought by the both of you in the video as well as the transformation of the front of your house. And look it, what it did is it gave me perspective on seeing things in a different light and being like, wow, they they understand their audience to the extent that they know that they're much more bought into you guys as a brand. And whatever you're doing in the video compared to what the project is and the maker community specifically is very project driven, right? It mm-hmm. is video to video. It's not person. It's not brand. Like it's not long subscriptions to brands in order to see what they're putting out week to week. It's, it's, Oh, they Super did a transactional. They did, they did an outfeed table. Oh, they did a crosscut sled. Oh, I want to know how to do this. This guy's not teaching me anymore. I'm unsubscribed. <laughs> like, I think that there there are some like like I don't know uh, rarities that that kind of break that mold. Like Frank Howarth, you know, like with his stop motions yep. and his like I don't even know what it is, but like those like you know there are ways. There's to- a couple. There's Alec. There's this old Tony. But like yeah. for the most part, I mean, I I'm same boat as you guys. I got you get started in the maker community, and you're like, this is how to do this, and then you look at something and you go, wait, I don't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. And as anybody in business, I think once you can realize that your differentiation point is it's that moment, right? It's that aha moment where like, wait, I can present this completely differently, whether it's an end product, whether it's a a, a final good, whether it's a video, a photo, a piece of content, whatever it might be. Once you can realize that that's where you want to double down your effort on. That's where you want to put your emphasis on. And that's where you want to start to focus on, because that's what you're going to make. That's where you're going to win long term. 
not trying to beat someone at their own game, right? And which is what yeah. I feel like content can become. And which is unfortunately what I feel like the makerspace is starting to become is a lot of copycat, a lot of, oh, I saw this transition. Now I'm going to use it. Now I saw this, you know, this technique. Now I'm going to use it. And I'm like, oh, this is so boring. These all used to be individuals. And now there's like 12 people trying to do the same thing. And it's like, um, boo. But Evan and Caitlin are crushing it. <laughs> like they're over, here, they're over here doing like, chaos and it's awesome <laughs> well, i think that, that like what, what you said like if, if you just stay in, in in a bubble things start to look the same but like you know go outside of of the community like watch some gaming videos watch yeah. some vlogs watch some travel videos and you might pick up some so interesting how new... much of that do you guys do like how much do you oh. guys force yourselves to get influence outside of our community <laughs> it's not really forcing it's it's actually like <laughs> Like most of the YouTube we watch is not maker videos. It is like more what? entertainment stuff, <laughs> which I think like maybe should have been a sign. Like we watch, we watch maker videos to like catch up with our maker friends, but like, yeah. it's more like, Oh, I want to see what so-and-so is up to. Um, but a lot of the stuff we watch is totally outside of the community. And mm -hmm. so we did start taking inspiration. Like, you know, we watched like Jenna Marbles and Simply Neological. Try and Guys. The Try Guys and like all oh, this. Oh, uh, uh, Bon Appetit. Oh, yeah. The Bon Appetit oh, channel. Bon Appetit. It's so good. So, so good. good. That's where I got my you know? Vinny inspiration. If you guys saw my pizza, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's where I got that inspiration. Yeah. Like, yeah. So much inspiration from Brad's video. YouTube Brad. Brad, Brad Leo. <laughs> bon Appetit. Yeah. You know, like we started doing like, um, you know, we would always see like where they'll put the words coming out of his mouth as he says them. And so like we started doing that because we thought it was hilarious, you know? Yep. Um, so there's a lot you can get out of, you know, other channels. And, and I wouldn't say like force yourself to watch stuff you're not interested yeah, yeah, in. Because if you're not interested in it, then you're not going to have fun making it. Yeah. But if there's other types of content that you're interested in that's outside the maker community, lean into that and pull the things that you personally enjoy watching. But I also, I think that that's a great tip for any type of business, right? Is that like, if yeah. you get, if you get so narrow sighted into what your is winning for you right now and like what you're doing, you could potentially lose sight on a lot of what's working outside of it. And then what ends up happening is if you're on the top of a trend, when that trend falls off, you have no, you have no play, you have no mm -hmm. move to do after, right? Like for instance, epoxy crayons like there's like a bunch of people doing content around this stuff and it's awesome but you guys touched on it earlier if you build your channel on viral trends around those types of things what happens when that bubble bursts are you going to be yeah. able to retain a following and and continue to grow your business and it was interesting as a little over a year and a half ago i said to brad and and, and i was like i don't um excuse me let me preface that every metric on my channel was telling me to make more river tables because it I was popping off on my channel and I said to him, I was like, I don't want to make more river tables just because the data says to, and then get stuck as a river table guy. And looking back on it, I was like, okay, I should have done some supplemental content to the river table, like hundred percent. That was a stupid move on my behalf to just negate it. But with it, you know, I could have easily just fell into like, okay, John, why are you not making river tables anymore? You know, like why, why isn't your whole channel geared around that one piece of viral content that built it right um, and you can easily fall into those trends. So I do think it's vitally important to keep like, keep your eye on things outside of what you're doing. If you're making live edge furniture, right. And you're using epoxy, there's nothing wrong with that, but just be ready for when that trend starts to fade out. And when the market starts to move to looking for something else, like, is your business going to be strong enough to hold up to changes? Um, are you basing your stuff on real branding? Is your brand strong enough to hold up to 
you know, changes in the, the entire market, like whatever's happening there. Mm-hmm. I think your guys point uh, specifically for content is applicable across the spectrum for any type of business. And it's really, really sound advice. Yeah, for sure. So, Kud, I'm giving thumbs up right now on on our video. (laughs) (laughs) You need a sound effect for the thumbs ups. See, that's what we need, Brad. More more sound effects. Soundboard. Yeah. No, yes. I need soundboard. I want a soundboard for my life. Like, like, when I tell a joke, I want to be able to do, like, you know, do, like, the hi-hat. or be like, (laughs) I could could go between two or three of them. But, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, actually, yeah, I think now in my next video, I'm going to be putting, uh, you know, I'm going to be putting like small, a round of applause after I do a dad joke. They'd be like, All right, <laughs> Dude, this is that would dad joke. I love that. Yeah, totally. Cause that's what I do you. in person. You make a dad joke. I'm like, <laughs> yes. You're like, yes. There, there goes Brad thinking <laughs> he's funny. Dad joke. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best part of it. See, You're I'm not, not a dad. Maybe on. Evan can relate. Like not being a dad. You love a good dad joke. Cause you know, it's like, oh, yeah. it, you're, you're like so proud of it. It's just like. Pure cheese. Yeah, yeah. I feel the yeah. same. I feel yeah. the same. Caitlin makes dad jokes too. All yeah. the time. <laughs> you don't have to like, be a dad. Yeah, mom, mom jokes. There you go. Like, it, they're great. Dad jokes are yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you hate them as a kid. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, as we wrap up to the hour here, we do want to get uh, a piece of advice. So we always like to ask our guests uh, to give the audience a piece of advice. You guys have already obviously laid down a, a ton of, of great nuggets of wisdom, but uh, what would be a piece of advice to for somebody you know trying to find their audience or just trying to to get into this content space Mm. i think one thing that can we touched on a little bit earlier but it can apply whether you're just trying to get into to content creation or making um but can also apply if you're since we talked about change a lot it can apply if you're trying to make a change and that's know the reasons why you want to do the thing you're doing because starting starting up your own business not the easy path if you're already on a path that's working and you want to change it, that's not the easy path. So being able to identify and recognize why you want to start something new or why you want to change is super important because you don't want to do those things for the wrong reasons, put in all this work and then burn out because it's not what you really want. And I think the the best way to do that is to find a trusted person, like whether it's your, your parents or your best friend or your brother or a coworker or your your workout buddy or whoever it is that you have that like deeper rapport with and and talk with them again and again and see what holds true and what comes up over time and i think that that yeah discussion is the best way to figure it out i mean we we use each other and we talk back and forth a lot but i mean like yeah find find someone who you can have that conversation with and just work through it with them yeah we have so many conversations still just about like you know why are we doing this thing? You know, how's the best way to reach our goals? Like we'll go on like late night walks and talk about, <laughs> talk about our goals, you know? Um, but I think, I think knowing your reasons is super important. Just like using the, um, the, the change, for example, if we, you know, or, or John, if you were going through a change because you were trying to chase a trend or we were going through a change because we were trying to chase a trend, then you go through all this work, you go through all this struggle, you lose old subscribers and you gain new ones, and then you realize you don't actually want to do that, then that's not the best business move. Um, but if you're, you're pushing through those struggles because it's where you really want to be, then the struggles 
don't matter as much. Like you can get through it. And I think that that applies whether you're starting your own woodworking business. It applies if you're starting a channel. It applies if you're on a path and you're trying to course correct. Or even making making products and stuff, you know, like you you don't want to like start running in any direction. Like maybe look around a little bit, like scope ahead in a few different directions and then and then start running, you know, because if you choose a direction, you run a mile on that path and you realize, oh, I want to go backwards. You know, you're just farther away from where you wanted to end up. And I think it's hard to spend all, you know, so much time just thinking because usually once you make the decision of like i'm gonna quit my job and start start a business whatever that right. business is you just want to go you just want to yeah. go full speed yeah mm-hmm. and i mean we, yeah. we we still do that like before some projects we'll like have a, a day where we just like go to coffee shops or walk around or you know just pace back and forth and we sp- might spend six hours discussing a project before we even start you know so it's mm. it's it's not it's not something that kind of goes away at least for us because we keep on shifting but like it is worth the time in the end to to put that forethought in. Yeah, I love that. that. Yeah, to have that kind of that guiding end. light. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just picturing you guys pacing for six hours in your house, just like. Yeah. Well, it's it's so hot, you know, right now we can't pace outside. <laughs> yeah, so. we're getting our pace on. Yes. Uh, so, so I love that great piece of advice because like having that guiding light is so super important, and mm-hmm. you know, I love the the concept of of you guys, you know, really finding your audience and and finding your voice and refining your voice because it wasn't like what you were doing before was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hearing the conversation today, I hope that gives a lot that uh, of a not being afraid to change and b finding, you know, the, your passion, even if you thought you are, had already found it that, you know, and the switching back and forth is, is, you know, that's natural and it can be done. And it's not something that, that uh, is just a complete game changer, game stopper as far as like slowing down your business and that the other side can be way better and more fulfilling and possibly even more successful from a business and monetary perspective as well. So mm-hmm. love that. We've we've really been enjoying watching you guys grow and see that transition of your channel and, and finding that new audience. So we're super excited to see where it ends up as well. So thank you guys so much for coming on and we've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having having us. us. This is super fun. Always love chatting with you guys. Absolutely. Dude, watching Evan and Caitlin just do what they do is so awesome. Seeing how they figured out to like switch the audience and the scope of their channel and see it pay off in such huge dividends. It's just like, I, I, it's just mind boggling. You know, I love numbers. So like I've been following them, you know, they're friends of mine. So I'm like, I love seeing them win and just like actually watching how they technically did it. I, it's it's such a cool just experiment and like actual execution has been. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely insane. I remember when they had a channel that was pretty close to the same size as mine, and now they are just dwarfing me. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> it's amazing to see how much understanding they actually have for the platform itself and how they're executing on it. I loved this episode, got a ton out of it myself, and I really know our audience definitely did too. Yeah, and they are just, they are tireless, uh, tireless perfectionists and executors on the platform. Like they, that if if you could say anything about them, they are all in for sure. For and sure. They just uh, live it, breathe it, everything. So again, kudos to Evan and Caitlin. They've been doing awesome. Uh, if you want to head over to the Made for Profit tribe, we are on Facebook as well. So don't forget that you can head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit and talk about different ways to grow your channel. If you want to hear more and see more about Evan and Caitlin, you can head over to the show notes for this episode. 
you can see that at madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 110. Oh, yeah. And make sure if you, uh, you know, you dig this and, and you like uh, content and such that you head on over to Instagram and follow us there at Made for Profit. Um, we'll have Evan and Caitlin linked on there as well. And they've got a pretty cool Instagram channel, which you can check out what they're up to behind the scenes and all that good fun stuff that they're working on on the daily. Love it. Love it. All right. We're going to head over to our after show. So uh, hopefully we'll see you there. If you're not a patron, go ahead and sign up. Join up. It, join up. You'll love it. Money back guarantee. Do it. Not really. Do Once it. we have your money, we're never giving it back. Do, Do it. it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys there. See ya. <laughs>